Let's let's begin. Awesome. Hello, Forrest. Welcome to the sixth day of Daily Breath. We just wrapped up the first chapter of Romans. And as a quick recap, Paul writes about how sinful the nature of man is and how God's wrath takes the form of absence of God in our lives. When man lives in godlessness and sinful desire, all aspects of life fall to the corruption of sin. Thankfully, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, defeating death, giving us the opportunity to have eternal life despite our sinful nature. With that, before we kick off the second chapter of Romans, let's open up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just wanted to thank you so much uh, for this morning, for giving us this opportunity to start the day off dwelling in you. I really pray, Lord, that as we go into Romans chapter 2, Lord, that you would speak through me and just reveal to us um, what you want us to hear today. Um, yeah, so looking forward to this time, and I pray this all in your sweet, amazing name. Amen. All right. So before we go into Romans chapter 2, verses 1 to 16, I want to note that this letter is written to who some scholars call a moral Jew, to somebody that has heard and should understand the heart of God, to someone that has at the very least heard God's law. On that note, let's go ahead and read the, chap the passage, which again is Romans chapter 2, verses 1 to 16. You, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you'll escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your repentant heart, unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done, to those who, by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But for glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even when they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences for bearing, are bearing witness and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. This will take place on the day that God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, 
as my gospel declares. Amen. Um, so after the Jewish man read the chapter of the first chapter of Romans, he was likely thinking to himself, good thing that's not me. I'm a man of morals and I'm better than those Gentiles that Paul just wrote about. Mm. Um, Paul makes sure to immediately shut that type of thinking and behavior down. Um, in the first verse, Paul states, you who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself because you have, uh, because you who pass judgment do the same things. This Jewish man might not be committing the exact same sins as the Gentiles previously mentioned, but he still sins. All sin is deserving of God's wrath and all sin should lead to the absence of God. That in effect would trigger the eventual unfortunate but well-deserved punishment of death. The point of the first chapter was to establish that all mankind is sinful and deserving of wrath. Instead, this Jewish man took the message and built a mindset and attitude of superiority over others, just because he was potentially a little better morally than the Gentiles. Uh, when Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount, one of the themes he touches on is the treatment and judgment of others. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 2 to 5, Jesus says, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to, to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The reader completely missed the point Paul was trying to convey and likely would have missed it when Jesus spoke it as well. He should have come to the realization that he too is a sinner. He should have realized that he was a hypocrite. He should have been humble to the point of repentance for the sins he's committed. Luckily for the reader, Paul understood how the reader is thinking and speaks additional life-giving truth. In verses 6 to 8, Paul states, God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality. He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. If man was perfect and sinless, then this would mean that man could earn eternal life by being good all the time. Unfortunately for men, all men in some way or another are, have been, or will be self-seeking. This dooms everyone to be deserving of God's wrath and anger. So does that mean we're all doomed? No. Uh, we have the assurance of knowing that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, uh, for, the sins we, oh, for the sins we've conducted, for the sins we commit, and for the sins we have yet to commit. With this life-giving truth, we can go into our day knowing we're not doomed simply because we're sinful at heart. We can go out knowing we have the assurance of the ultimate truth, which again is that God loved us so much, he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for our sins, giving us eternal life. So how can we apply this passage practically to our lives? Uh, we need to be repentant. We need to take up our cross and die to ourselves daily. Uh, take time in our daily lives to acknowledge the sin that permeates in our lives and lift it up to God, asking him to help us make the decision to turn away from that sin 
we can't break away from sin without God. Um, in the short time I've been alive, I've come to know intimately that I'm unable to defeat the sin on my own and need God's support in turning away from sin. Um, by repenting, we invite the following transformation in our lives. Um, first, a greater understanding of God and his kingdom. Um, second, the opportunity to experience more of the fullness of his truth. Um, three, the ability to think his thoughts and be more in tune with his voice. Four, a greater hunger to know his word. And lastly, uh, a greater joy in serving Jesus and surrendering our lives to him as our Lord and Savior. Um, today, remember Paul's message to the moral Jew. Seek to stay humble and clean before God. Um, with that, let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, again, I just wanted to thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to read and learn about Romans chapter 2, uh, verses 1 to 16. I really pray, Lord, that as we go about our days, we wouldn't be so um, distracted by the sins of other people, but Lord, that we would look inwards and realize the sin that's already in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that we would be able to lift this up to you. Um, because it's only with you, only through you, um, that we're able to beat sin. Um, and so I really pray, Lord, that again, as we go into each of our lives today, that we would really be able to apply this. And I pray, Lord, that this would then um, just make you more real to our lives. Um, we need you desperately, and we're so thankful that you chase after us. Um, so we pray this all in your sweet, amazing name. Amen.